Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the first episode of the Afghan Brief, where we will be covering the day's news from Afghanistan in 15 minutes. I'm your host, Sangar Paikar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ahmad Walid Kakar. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah sangar. Like you said, it's the uh, first episode of the Avon Brief. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, I'm pressing the timer. Now, let's start. What is the story? So today's story is the fact that the UN has revoked its travel ban exemption for two officials of the Afghan government. However, what I suggest is we also talk about the last two-ish days of very important news with regard to Anglo-Afghan relations. Since you are the Anglo-Afghan, so I think you must be very excited. Yeah, it is. Uh, there, there have been times where being an Anglo-Afghan hasn't been ideal, but right now is not a bad time. So essentially what has happened is that we've received or read two statements from the British government uh, on Afghanistan, one of which was on not supporting violence and one of which was thanking the current Afghan government for releasing, I believe it was five or six British prisoners. So without further ado, let's go toward uh, the statement uh, of the British government or rather Hugo Shorter, who's the Shah the fair at the UK mission to Afghanistan in Doha, who said that the UK, I'm paraphrasing here, doesn't support anyone seeking to achieve political change in Afghanistan through violence or any activity inciting violence for political purposes in Afghanistan. UK soil will not be allowed to be used to plan or prepare it. We strongly discourage others from doing so. Violence of any kind is not in Afghanistan's interests, nor the international communities. We deplore terrorist attacks of all kinds. And finally, Sanger, to deliver, to promote peace and stability, deliver essential humanitarian support, there is no alternative to engaging pragmatically with the current administration of Afghanistan. And that is what we are doing. Now, that statement was released on the 19th of June, 2022. On the 20th of June, 2022, there was another statement. British nationals released from Afghanistan. The UK welcomes the release of five British men detained in Afghanistan, which is pretty self-explanatory. And it said, we welcome and appreciate the release by the current administration of five British nationals who were detained. These British nationals had no role in the UK government's work in Afghanistan and traveled to Afghanistan against the UK's travel advice. And this is the most important. On behalf of the families of the British nationals, we express their apologies for any breach of Afghan culture, customs or laws and offer their assurance of future good conduct. And this account was corroborated. Sorry. Yes. I, I think, you know, this is very significant. Why did they post this? But please continue reading. But I want to uh, ask you a question about this particular piece in their statement. Continue. So Zabiullah Mujahid, who's the spokesman of the current Afghan government, tweeted saying that which basically is saying that on the charges of violating Afghan custom and culture and the current laws of Afghanistan, 
five British nationals who were detained have been released and sent home to their countries. Okay, so few points. Uh, first, they talked about on the on the nineteenth of June. The, mm-hmm. the statement by the British government was that they do not support armed conflict in Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. that statement seemed like they're saying they're not supporting groups like uh, Amrullah Saleh's uh, NRF. Uh, but then the next day, the statement revealed that they are talking about Peter Juvenal and these other uh, journalists that were detained mm-hmm. and the Zabiullah Mujahid uh, talking about violating Afghan laws and customs and the British government also stating that they apologize on behalf of the family of uh, these uh, journalists for violating Afghan customs and laws uh, it raises eyebrows what is going on what is your explanation So if you look at the first statement about not supporting violence in Afghanistan, the statement literally reads, following violence in Afghanistan, Hugo Shorter said the following. So violence in Afghanistan obviously is a rather vague way of putting it because we've had violence uh, in areas like Panjshir and Andarab, which has gone underreported or overreported, however you want to look at it. Uh, and it also refers to the attacks of suspected uh, Daesh Uh, against uh, Sikh places of worship. On top of that, the fact that it's saying that it will not allow British soil to be used to facilitate violence in Afghanistan is a possible indicator toward people associated with Amrullah Saleh, who we know uh, have properties in Afghanistan. But like I think Ahmad, Ahmad Masood is from Ahmad Britain. Masood is He's from London. The fellow Anglo-Afghan. Yes, the fellow, fellow your, your fellow Anglo-Afghan, Ahmad Masood, the so-called leader of the NRF, is originally from London. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say and what I want to wrap up on is whilst this is the clearest statement from any major great power on with regard to Afghanistan, this doesn't actually reflect anything new. On the 18th of August, three days after the fall of Kabul, Boris Johnson uh, addressed the House, the British House of Commons, saying that he did not support uh, violence against uh military action against the Taliban. And he also said, we are clear and we've agreed that would be a mistake for any country to recognize any new regime in Kabul prematurely or bilaterally. Countries that care about Afghanistan's future should walk toward, work toward common conditions about the conduct of the new regime before deciding whether to recognize it and on what terms. Boris Johnson then said on the 7th of September that he believed that the Taliban had changed and that there was a clear difference between the Taliban and Daesh or Al-Qaeda. And he finally said on the 21st of November 2021 that Britain and others must try to engage with the current government in Afghanistan to overcome the humanitarian crisis that has been going on there. So really and truly, whilst it's a clear renewal of intent, it more or less reflects Westminster's approach towards Afghanistan uh, over the uh, since the collapse of the previous regime. So that was the news of the last few days. And what we have 
have now today's news, today's big news, and there's been an op-ed written in the National by Obeidullah Bahir, who was a lecturer at the American University of Afghanistan. Uh, today's news is the fact that the travel ban exemption that the UN Security Council granted the Taliban has been revoked for two officials. Those two officials being the Deputy Minister of Education, Shahid Khil, as well as Abdul Baqi Haqqani, who was the Minister of Higher Education, or colloquially referred to in Afghanistan as the Minister with a campaign against higher education. In any case, however, uh, what was your take on that? How did you receive that news? I would say that uh, the selection of these two particular individuals seems very random because based on our sources in Kabul, as it is also further confirmed by Mohsin uh, Amin, uh, who uh, is an uh, expert on Afghan affairs, uh, these two men are actually in favor of women's education. One thing I forgot to mention for everyone listening, by the way, this travel ban was revoked for these two ministers on the basis of the fact that schools had not been, public schools between the grades of 6 and 12 had not been opened for Afghan girls, and therefore these two education officials were added to a travel ban list. Now, like Sangar said, the problem with that <laughs> is that these two officials were very much in favor of girls' education Plus between grade 6 and 12. This is the Ministry of Higher Education, which is responsible for universities in Afghanistan. The schools that are closed, they are responsibility of Ministry of Education. This may create a lot of confusion for people who don't know uh, Afghanistan's bureaucracy, but... Uh, the Ministry of Education or the Ministry of Marif in Afghanistan is in charge of taking care of the primary and secondary education uh, up to the 12th grade. So uh, the secondary public schools for girls are closed in Afghanistan. And the Ministry of Higher Education has absolutely no say in opening or closing those schools. And these two officials have absolutely no authority to open or close those schools. Uh, but still, the UN just picked two random Talibs. Some beardos, turbinated beardos, yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, as you mentioned by the law here, he even said that maybe they have selected these guys because of their poor uh, style, you know, fashion appearance. <laughs> but any case, so what did Ubaid write about this new travel ban? So I shared uh, Obeidullah Bahir's op-ed for The National, so for everyone that wants to read it, go on my Twitter profile. He basically said that this was a better approach than collectively punishing millions of Afghans by targeting the people at the top, with which I agree. Uh, the other point that I just wanted to add on to your point as well is that the Minister for Higher Education, Abdul Baqi Haqqani, is actually responsible for the continuation of women attending university. So so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a contra <laughs> it's a bit of a contradiction further but in terms of symbolic 
value, I guess that this is important in the sense that now senior officials are starting to be hit. And yes, we acknowledge that Abdul Baqi Akani and Shahid Khil are not the heavyweights in the Taliban, but they are close enough to the heavyweights in the Taliban if the aim is to coerce them to change their behavior, that uh, you know those who are in charge may feel the pressure. Now, the other problem that I have is that the people at the very top are not the type that travel to the Bahamas for ta- offshore tax havens and Panama and have apartments in Dubai. So the efficacy of it, we can debate and discuss. And I would say I'm personally slightly uneasy with the idea of international forces further exerting pressures on Afghan governments. You can't blame me because of the last 43 years. Uh, so the efficacy of it, we could debate and discuss, but I would say, and I would agree with Abaydullah Bahid, that yes, it's better than um, starvation itself. However, we have three minutes left, and there's one point I want to touch on, which is that this was justified solely on the basis, not on fake news, not on something of controversy, not of some, you know, point of contention, but on something on which the current government promised and failed to deliver. And it was a disaster of its own choice and its own making, for which the consequences are being laid out in front of everyone. And in fact, Reuters are reporting that this move to revoke, so 13 other Taliban officials have had their exemptions from the travel ban renewed, right? Except these two officials who have had their travel ban exemptions revoked. Now, Reuters is reporting that this move was unanimously agreed upon by the United Nations Security Council. However, however, um, other, uh, wait, who is reporting this? Give me a second. So, so English Al Arabiya, which is the Saudi news outlet, is saying that some countries were in favor of revoking all of the travel exemptions, but others objected, which show, goes to show you to what extent international interlocutors on the United Nations Security Council are thoroughly frustrated with the direction that this government in Kabul is taking. So once again, what what I want to highlight here is that there are different versions of reality in Afghanistan. Some people claim that there's been an ethnic lockdown imposed in Khair Khana, which turns out to not be the case. And, you know, reality is subjective because it's the imposition of white man and all all of that stuff. But what we can agree upon here, all of us, even the Taliban, even Deputy Foreign Minister Stanek is that this is something that has happened, it exists, and the current government did it. Sangar, we have one minute left, and I'm going to let you take the spotlight for the rest of it. I just want to say that uh, you mentioned uh, Deputy Prime Minister Stanek who... Foreign Minister. Yes, the Deputy Foreign Minister uh, Sher Mohammad Abbas Tanakzai, who was involved in the Doha uh, negotiations for two years, he suddenly made his emergence after months of not being in the public, uh, and he spoke in favor of opening the schools, and he basically criticized the government for the fact that they ha- still haven't opened schools. So we see that on all levels of Afghan society, even up to a Deputy Minister people are screaming and shouting open those damn schools and here we are uh, today with the United Nations Security Council joining the call 
Thank you all for joining us today for this first episode of Afghan Brief. Uh, we will be doing this on a regular basis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Afghan Eye, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are on all streaming services, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you want. And do please leave a review and let us know what you think How do I about... turn this off? There we go. So, yes, we managed to make it 15 minutes. And once again, guys, you know, we are an independently operated platform. Two freelancers. We finished work not long ago and we are here. 15 minutes, the Afghan brief to bring you the day or the last couple of days news from Afghanistan. We aim to do this regularly. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you are listening to us, tomorrow morning i mean in britain we have na nationwide strikes that basically paralyze the country but wherever you are if you are listening to this tomorrow morning on your commute on spotify apple Podcasts, and so on please leave us a review tell a friend to tell a friend and leaving us a review will actually help other people join in on all of the fun that we provide in 15 minutes so thank you very much sangar and see you soon wassalamu alaikum wa alaikum assalam